We are in chapter 4. We started last week to take a look at the the Samaritan woman story. Um, and like I started last week, um, it's very, very rich. Uh, there's a lot going on in the story, so we're going to probably take a look at it um, in some different angles as we, as we walk through it. I was saying that in a lot of ways you can look at this story of the Samaritan woman and it really, you can just really create a whole discipleship program around this story about how Jesus actually encounters people and interacts and brings them to himself. Um, and so, and what ends up happening with that too. So what I want to do today is go ahead and read all through it again, like we did last week. Some of you weren't here. As we read through it, um, to begin with, and we're going to actually start walking through the actual um, verses, but I want to just sort of see as we read through it again, if there's something sort of, as we're reading through it, just if there's anything God sort of impresses on you, sort of pops out at you, you might not have seen before, or you keep seeing, um, just think about that as we go through and we read this, as we read this story. Um, so... In fact, maybe this time, I'll just make it simple. I'll just read it. Um, instead of going around us reading, I'll just read it. I'm going to read from 4.1 through... Can we have Steve read it? 45. Steve. Steve of the beautiful sure. voice. Absolutely. Steve, you want to read it? I'm just volunteering you. <laughs> wow. Especially the nice. whole thing. He's a great reader. He is a good reader. Uh, and he's a pretty good guy, too. I'm obviously not a good reader, so Tom's happy. No, you're a good yeah, reader. Yeah, you're a good reader. <laughs> I just, you were going to where? I'm tired tonight, so if I'm a little bit like, woo, right. you know, um, I now have two jobs. I've been given, um, right, I've been given Kelly's job for a while, so I'm trying to carry two jobs at once. Wow. Kelly's no longer here. Gone, oh, yeah, she, she, she left. She's know officially what gone, read? and I'm officially here. To, to what? So. The end. John, John 4, what verses do you want to read? Uh, John 4, 1 through uh, 40, no, 1 through 45. All right. Okay, so everyone just listen as we go through and just, again, note if there's anything that just sort of pops out at you about this. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting back beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him 
will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here, is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things, all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming, they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps and is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that you that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of, you, of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. 44? Yep. After the two days, sorry. After the two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet was no longer in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. The word of the Lord. All right. So. Stands out for you guys just on this reading this time.
really hit me big time this time that <clears throat> Jesus has this knowledge, power, authority, and a mission. And when he interacts with the world, the world always interacts with him relative to what they know in the world. You're asking me for water, you know? Okay. That's a social cultural thing. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that when he responds, he responds at a level that they've never been introduced to. And then the way that he goes about it really delivers a powerful message and um, always makes a big impact. But it seems that <coughs> he's kind of insulated because the world is operating on one level and he's on a totally different level. And the way people respond to him is, is really, I think, the really interesting part. Yeah. Good. Yeah, Pat, that's part of love. We're going to look at how he does that. That's good. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is he responds, even though he's certainly far beyond, he responds in humbleness and he responds in respect. He doesn't ever... And, and here, as we see this, this wonderful story about a Samaritan woman, and here he is. He doesn't care about all of that. He how would you say Yoda he responds with humility in this? You say being humble. How do you see Jesus being humble in this? First of all, speaking to her. Okay. Uh, uh, secondly, um, uh, well, and speaking to her with respect and with even, even not necessarily. And even when he's talking about her five husbands, he doesn't. It doesn't sound like from the text mm -hmm. that he's 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 uh, judging one around. way or the other. He's just telling this is what happened. Right. Yeah. I think you see Jesus as as the man and God, mm. and it goes back and forth between the two. Mm. I find it different. I find it. Uh, I don't find it disrespectful. But I think if I was to see a guy, um, you know, at a well and calling me out, I would be nervous. I would be, that's just who I am. I mean, I would probably be a little scared. Um, I, would, I don't know, uh, you know, Nicodemus came in the night and he didn't seem to be afraid of Jesus. And this girl doesn't seem to be afraid of Jesus. But if you, you really can't tell... Like, you guys ever see that movie about Jesus? I can't remember. The one that's uh, that just uh, came Chosen. out. Chosen. Chosen. Chosen, but only yeah. about five years. Is that the one? No. Where, the new where one. he talks in Latin. And, and oh, no, I don't know He's that really one. hardcore. And, oh. he's, and, and it, it, it almost makes you feel like, God, I don't know if I'd ever want to meet him, you know, like that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I do see what you're saying, that he's, you know, he's considerate. Um... Bruce said something to me the other day, and I was driving to see my mom, and um, and Bruce. That's why Bruce is here, because I told him about the group. But he said something to me that really kind of blew my mind as I was driving. I was going to go see my 95-year-old mother, and he was telling me 
because we've been talking about this life experience about my friend and he was telling me he had just what he mentioned to me about what he saw and what he felt about Jesus is that it made me just feel so good he just said it was the most love I've ever felt it was like how you love your mother you love your wife you love your brother or your sister your kids it was like that's only like 10% of it less than that and and this love was so strong is that I could see if I ever had an experience with Jesus that's what I would want And, and I'm not I know I'm going in circles here but I guess when I read this I don't know like I don't know what he because it's just text. Yeah. You can't really see. It's hard to get emotions. It's, it's hard to text. get the emotions. Exactly. Right. You know. You know. It's like she's sitting there standing up to him, and he's stand. He's calling her out, and he's standing up to her, and he's saying, hey, "This is what's going to happen." And she's like, "Oh wow, you're the guy." And but, you know, I just wish that there was more descriptive of the emotion and, and the love that, that Bruce talked about. Yeah. <clears throat> if I may, on that, that's that's a cool observation because. I think it's meant to be like that. The more you study, the more you read, the more the, the, those interwoven notes, right, of who Christ is and what his emotional state would be start to become more clear. So the more you read it and you read it again, you read it again, that starts to, that's the, the beauty, that's the living word. It starts to have that life, and his character starts to have that emotion. So as it, as it begins, it's simply text, and you're going, gosh, I wish there was that emotion. Yeah. It'll come. I think you can see it in a few places, like Jesus had to take this particular path, and there was a certain woman, right? Like, this is the Son of God in the flesh, and he went there for this woman specifically, right? I think oftentimes it says, and Jesus had compassion on whoever it was. Even that word, like compassion, it's kind of hard to really understand what was going on there. But he was, you know, he <laughs> he altered his path and went directly for this for this woman specifically. And like, if that's not love, you know, he saw her out. She was like the one lost sheep out of the 99. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so that says a lot about what he felt towards her. And, you know, there, there are the other emotions that he has, like anger and righteous indignation. That's never towards the, the sinner, right? It's always towards those who think they're righteous. <laughs> and you see those emotions kind of coming out with words he says you know, things like that, but uh, it is interesting if this passage is one of the few places you do not so much maybe getting his emotion directly, but the fact that it talks about his physical frailness, that he's wearied, he's tired, he's hungry, you know, yeah. you don't see that yeah. a lot, and you're very much getting I think you're, you're, you're seeing both the Jesus as God being directed to what he's going to be doing, his purpose, but you also see the human even frailty of him as a human being as he's going through and doing this. Um, so, yeah, Tom. I'm probably looking at it from a 30,000-foot view. 
like it's uh, like almost like a spiritual metaphor or something, because mm-hmm. he's talking about water, mm-hmm. like, well, a stranger, talking about food, water, drink, spirit, truth. Then he, she shared that, and then they believed. And then what? They believed. Ah. And that's kind of I'm way up there, but I'm not. I'm just looking down from all the different words and little points in the passage that it just seems like it's almost like a spiritual metaphor of mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the gospel's filled with metaphor. Yeah, it, it is. A, it is. It is yeah. absolutely filled up with metaphor. Um, that's why we see so much metaphor. Metaphor is. I mean, I say God gave us metaphor as the language of relationship. It is both the language of relation is how we actually, if you think about how we talk to each other and listen, we all use metaphor without even realizing it. You know, um, I love my wife with all my heart. Okay? Um, there's just so many ways in which we speak. So it's both a relational language, but Scripture uses metaphor to do also also Bruce somebody use metaphor to connect the earthly world with the godly world with the heavenly world and that's what metaphor does metaphor is taking something concrete in the earthly world and using it to explain the heavenly world the kingdom of heaven is like yeah yeah exactly and just here just even directly it's like you know it's living water I mean you're hearing him just use metaphor all the time about something that's real here on earth, but it's describing spiritually the heavenly view of that. Yeah. How about others? Yeah. Uh, is there any documentation in the Bible about what Jesus told the people he was staying with? Because if you read the, read the scripture, it says they, he convinced them more so than what the woman did. Now, yeah. I mean, is there any documentation about what was said there, and how we knew, and how what they? No, it leaves it pretty like open. But it does say they met with him. Yeah. So it's sort of like on the Maus Road story. You know, it's one of the stories that frustrates me a bunch. Jesus, like, boy, I wish I was those two on the Maus Road. <laughs> and yeah. Jesus then opened up the scriptures and explained how all the scriptures pointed to him. Okay, can you tell us what he said? Yeah. We don't know what he said. I would have loved to know what he said. It had to be um, something very similar to what he told her. He had to know something about their backgrounds. And yeah. This is where your head is, where you've been. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah on, on that point, think of everything Jesus said in the three years he was there to his disciples. I mean, just to his disciples. We have the Gospels and Scripture and oh, a lot true. of the they're, New Testament. All there, right? yeah. Yeah, a lot of the New Testament is Paul Paul's writing. But imagine all of the things. He spent three years with Jesus. It said, uh, it, I think, I think that John probably, it says, if all the things were written down John, that Jesus right yes, said John. and did, right. then I don't think all the books in the world, now with flash drives and stuff, we could probably... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book. Yeah. Not written in this book. What you just yeah. said is not written in this book. But these are written, what is written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, that's the focus. Yeah. You know, that we may believe. Well, John and Jesus must have had a recap of what happened at the well. Yeah. Because he wrote this. Yeah. And Jesus and I, had to say, this is what I told her. And it's very possible John was one of those disciples that was with Jesus yeah. then. 
Well, that's, I was just going to mention that, because mm -hmm. um, you tuned us into that early in the study. You said, well, interesting, look who's telling the story, who was there. We were discussing in earlier episodes, John was there. Right. And so was he there? Oh, right. where, was he here also? Right here, right here it says, uh, whoever's telling the story, John's telling the story, it's for his disciples, plural, like gone into town. Right. So yeah, yeah. was John still it's, there? It's, it's, no, it's it's was, I'm it's thinking it's he was still there because he records this conversation in quotations, all this all this conversation with the woman. He said, she said, he well, said. Well, it came up after Mm -hmm. oh, <clears throat> yeah, they came up after the conversation. Came up after the conversation, right. like what it says here. Yeah. So it could be, and we don't know the answer to that, but it could be that he, if he wasn't there, one of the things that a lot of people have studying about who was the author of John, it's very possible because he calls himself the most loved of the disciples. It's very possible John had a very special relationship with Jesus. Oh, yeah. And that John's role that Jesus gave him was to record these things. So it's very possible that... Maybe, we don't know, that Jesus sat down with John and like, you know, let me tell you some more details about what happened. Or who knows how it all happened. But whichever way, you're getting, you're getting, you're seeing so much in John that's not written in the other Gospels. Because I think John has that personal, firsthand experience with Jesus um, in recording this. So, what she basically says he does. All the conversation says you need to document this. Yeah, yeah. Something else? Uh -huh. um, you, you know, you were asking what we saw. Yeah. So, if you go to, like, uh, verse, let's say, 19. He's just uh, said, you know, told her about her husband. So, I, I think it's interesting in, in, in dialogue, if you're looking at a story or like a script of a film, the dialogue here is amazing. It's escalating really fast mm -hmm. in, in developing two characters. And it's kind of like Jesus, well, he knew she'd be there. He's God. He knew she'd be there in advance. This was set up. And he knew she was really special. It was for our benefit that this happened. Absolutely. So, Which is why we're spending the time in so, it. Yeah. So listen, listen to the escalation. It's really it's really amazing writing, but of course it's divine. Where are you at? Are you it's divinely reading? inspired. So, so like um, 19. So she, is, she escalates right away and says, you know, you have... She tells her about her husband. She goes, "Oh, you're a prophet." So, boom. She goes, "You're you're not just a guy. You're a prophet." So here's a man sitting at the well. Now he's he's been elevated. So he's been complimented, and he, he, she's showing tremendous respect for her. So Jesus is starting to open up more. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither you on this mountain worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. But then, in verse 23, he gets really deep yeah. for all of us. So he's telling this woman, who's just a woman by the well, he's telling her these huge, deep truths that a philosopher king would be struggling to say. <laughs> and he says, but the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, where the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Who is he to tell her what the father is seeking? I mean, that shows he's like he's beyond prophet now. Right. How do you know what God is seeking? She's thinking herself, how do you know what God's seeking? She could have slapped him back, backhanded him on that, but no, she went into full respect again, you know? So he goes on and says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He's saying, 
must worship him? Who is he to say how you must worship? So he's really saying I'm God Mm -hmm. when he talks like that. The authority is huge. So then she says, I know the Messiah is coming. So she goes, she, she talks about him right away. She names the Messiah. I mean, yes, she's saying obliquely, but she brings up Messiah. Once he starts talking depth, she goes, oh, we know the Messiah is coming. So Jesus is going, oh, my God, you're tuned into that, too? <laughs> this woman is so special. She's so spiritually attuned. Right. And so he says, I'm going to tell you something I haven't told anybody. You're speaking to him. Yeah. Yeah. So the ele- the, the acceleration, the acceleration, and the and the elevation that, that right. conversation went through is pretty steep. It's just happening in a few minutes. Uh huh. It happened in about four exchanges. Really. Yeah. Right. Well, you skipped something. <laughs> Who is calling for When he comes, he will tell us all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's going through that in her mind. Oh, you just told me all things. That's why she ran down the hill. He told me everything. Why do you think Jesus chose this woman? Why do you think he chose her? Was his intent to go through her to get to the Samaritans? Why do you think he chose her? Because I think there was a good, I mean, I think that's a very, very good question. Probably one of the key questions to ask. Because I think she wasn't very well respected in the in the community. So, so, so I, how do we know that? Well, she had five husbands. And, <laughs> and how else do we know? She had to go last week. She, she was right. 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 She had to go at noon. She was not with the other women in the community. Exactly. Yeah. So where was she? She first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Yeah. She's the lowest of the low in terms of the, G- and the guess Jewish hierarchy. Yeah. Right. So why did he choose her? So because she was the lowest of the low. The, the last will be first. Yeah, but still, you choose somebody that nobody respects. Good. You just okay. That's right. Nobody We're, respects. Yeah. What else? What did we talk about last week too? So just think about what. I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Why did Jesus choose her? I think there's a lot in that question because it because, because Jesus is not. Him too. Well, that may be. Sure, that's that not true. It's a setup. Yeah. There could be. Right. And, and why there? You, as you, well, throw that into the mix. You know what? It's it was Very it was um, it was maximal impact. You see what it says? Huge it's impact. like the whole town believed. Everybody believed. We don't we don't <laughs> all we don't all believe just because of what you yeah. said. We believe because we now we now we've right. seen it. Yeah, the whole town. So think about that. The whole because town. of this one Samaritan woman, why did he pick her? What does she do? She ends up, through her testimony, bringing an entire town. And I think it was because she was, I'm sorry, it, I, I think I think it was because she was so outcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, she, that, that she had that kind of, probably that enthusiasm that, oh my gosh, somebody told me all I ever did. Which is what we know the Messiah will do. Can I say also shows that um, I think in first well, sure first Corinthians and everybody knows this one that um, but God chooses the foolish Say it louder, Tom. But God chooses the the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Mm-hmm. And he chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Yeah. Can I say come back to what I said about the love and 
and look at this as maybe this Samaritan woman never knew a love like this. Maybe her love. Oh, yeah, because or, she five husbands. I mean, she well, she's. I mean, if you think about you know the sexual morality, all that, yeah, blah 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 blah. But I mean, how many times do we go through life and we think we love somebody or love a materialistic thing or we love being free? Well, I think I think she gained some freedom out of this. I really do. But I think when we don't know about her life. She, if she was a prostitute, she could have loved that. She could have loved her job. She could have loved money. She could have loved men. She could have loved a lot of things. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we have right. one seat left. Come on right. ahead. And then all of a sudden, come in, sit down. And then what? What Bruce I told, right. I what Bruce had told me that blew my mind is this love he felt. And I'm thinking, I want that. I'm thinking, maybe. Maybe it's not descriptive, but maybe she felt a, a, a new love that was so much different than anything she ever She probably felt the power of Christ, which is unconditional love. Well, she did. Yeah. Yeah. And she when did. you're in the presence of unconditional love, I mean, what I experienced in my near-death experience, you can't even put words to it. I can describe it. But what I felt and what I sensed and what I feel, I was communicated and given so much information in a very short period of time. But the pervading power, and I'm talking about a power that you cannot even imagine. It's you, There are no words. Or you can't find it in books. You can't find it in discussion. You have to experience it. But all I can say is it's the most profound love there is and that is what God is is the energy of unconditional love and Christ when he was on the earth just emanated that and so in the that's why when you were in the presence of Christ you could feel his love I think that's what you're trying to say right yeah um, well exactly and I'm trying to say but we all know there's other loves and obviously this person probably had some other loves prior to this. You know, the five husbands, boyfriends, whatever. And now this... Jesus of course, she's a, per, she's a person that has not been successful in love. Exactly. And she's probably desperate. I think he knew she'd be responsive. Well, of course like, he did, yeah. Just like picking Peter. Just like picking any of the disciples. He knew this heart <clears throat> before he talked to her. You were going to say something, Mike. I had a question, but I don't know. That's all I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so you're going to say... 20 minutes ago. You're going to start, <laughs> Sorry, start to think that no, she didn't really know true love in all of her life, and then Jesus knew that, and so he wanted to show her true love. That's why he chose her, perhaps? Exactly. Well, and also, you know, like I said, and, and she's experiencing something. She's yeah. experiencing a love that she's never had. So, so think about... Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we hear all the time about how really Jesus is among our Savior, our Lord. Okay, He is one in which we look at his life. Why are we in this right now? We're in this to be conformed, to become more like him, right? So right now we're reading a story that we've been given by John about Jesus and this story is not just to say, hey, this is what Jesus did, but the story is also to say, this is what you're to do. 
So if, I, if you look at me and go, why did Jesus choose the Samaritan woman? Then I would say, what does that tell us about who we are to encounter? What, what are the people that we do encounter or we don't? What people are we bothered by so much because they bug us for some reason or whatever? We don't like their view on this or view on that or how they look or et cetera, et cetera. We choose, eh, I'm not going to bother myself with this person. So I'm wondering, what do you think the Samaritan would for you, but all of us? What, what is what is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman say about who we are to go and talk to? Same thing. Who are we? I mean, who would that be today? You guys think about that. Who would that be? Who would be the people today mm-hmm. that would be our Samaritan woman? Everyone you come in contact with. Homeless people, regular people. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It could be anybody. Yeah, it could no, be it is. I, mean, right. I just read a passage in here where he, you know, Christ gave the disciples, you know, he said, you know, I'm going where you cannot go, and I'm leaving you with this, mm-hmm. to, to love one another. Yeah, and, and that, John 17, yeah. yeah and, and, that, and that's it, you know. I mean, that's the only reason we're here, right. is to love one another. <clears throat> yep. And and that's that's the homeless man, that's the executive in an office, because the the world is starved of it, and it's in the condition it's in because there is a lack of it. Yeah. And if you truly love yourself, you automatically love others, and that's what Christ's message was about. Well, he says in John thirteen, "Love others as I have loved." I mean, he becomes the Yeah, but I if mean, you hate yourself, you're not really going to love somebody yeah. else. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's easy and, to love somebody that you love. Yeah. It's not easy to love <laughs> But she also says, right, love. it's really easy, and Jesus actually says that, it's easy to love yeah, somebody. I think Jeff talks about it in his sermon. Sometimes yeah. it's very difficult to do that. I yeah. think this, we've all been saying that um, Jesus chose this woman, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's accurate. Um he knew, and he had foreknowledge. Uh-huh. Apply this to all of us in, the, in sure. life. Sure. Um, the setup was, he went to Samaria. Jacob's well was there. So that's that's a focal point that you could say oh, where you might meet people, where you might have an interaction as a, as a holy place. or, mm-hmm. or a, So that was there in advance. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was weary, and he sat down. And then the woman came. Mm-hmm. So the, the verse that occurs to me is, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Yeah. We come to him. The, the woman came to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was drawn to it. And maybe, it, you know. But was, she came to the well. It was arranged right? in heaven in advance. Yeah. As I guess everything is. It would put the model over us mm-hmm. all. But it, I'm just saying that. Um, it's kind of like Calvinism almost, you know. It's like, does Jesus choose us or do we choose him? And I'm saying, in this case, he he didn't choose the woman. She came to him. Yeah, and if you, so, we talked about this last week. I think we did last week. So, um, chapter, verse, sorry, verse 4, in the Greek, the, the language, we can just read right past this. But, and he had to pass through Samaria. The verb used there for he had is, a, in essence, sort of like a preordained, this had to happen. Jesus is being driven, whether we say it's from the Father, God's will, whatever it is. These events 
had to take place, or something that is ordained, I guess you could say, or God is directing with that. And I don't think she, I mean, am I right about this? Well, um, so the Samaritan woman didn't come to Jesus. Okay. No, the Samaritan woman came to the well. She knew she was coming. Yeah. So, so going back to what Bruce, this second Bruce, Bruce too, <laughs> what Bruce said. So, the woman comes to the well, but now notice what Jesus does. Jesus could have just not done anything, right? So she comes to the well to get a drink. He does what? Yes, her drink. So what does what does that do when you think when you think about that? What does that do? What kind of position does that put Jesus in when he's asking the woman? For a drink. What does that do in the way, think about how we, we make connections, like you said, we're supposed to love everybody? He has a need. He has a need. And what is he doing? He's asking someone else to serve him. Serve him and fulfill that need. So all of a sudden, Jesus comes in, he actually places himself, you said the word humility, he places himself in a place of saying, hey, I need your help, and makes this connection with this woman. What's fascinating is he uses him, he uses, the, he, he puts himself into the need of the woman so ultimately he can show the woman how much she needs him. And it's just interesting to watch how this whole story sort of does that. So you see this connection where it is both. It's like the woman's coming, but Jesus is in intentionally making contact with her. So, yeah. the question of why. Why? Yeah, I mean, and why there, right? Why, why did he choose her? Right. He, so he, yeah. he chose. Well, for one thing, it's a Jacob's well. So, so go back to the gospel. So everything he's doing is reiterating the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, which is to say, let's take a look at your sense of reality and flip it on its head, and let's demonstrate the kingdom of God, right? So Jacob's well. It's fed you, it's fed your livestock, it's fed all these downlines of people, right, in, in a very fleshly reality. How are you going to get the water? You don't have anything to get the water with, and the well yeah. is deep. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So, perfect. Perfect setup. Let's, that's a great metaphor. The kingdom of God is like a well that is deep, that you don't need to have anything, a bucket. Right? So he speaks into that. And then the, the, the apex of this whole deal is what Tom had read. But the hour is coming and is now here. Hmm. Okay? The kingdom of God is at hand. When true worshipers, that's what he's telling her she is, will worship the Father in spirit and truth because she has nothing of the fleshly world to offer it yeah, all. I understand all that. Yeah. My question was, for the Father why? is seeking such people to worship him. Yeah, so That's I guess going, going, back to your, going back to your why, which I think we're all... She was a disrespected woman. Yeah. He wanted to show love to her and love right. and respect. You know, if he did it to her, he certainly could do it to everybody else. So I kind of understand why. Mm-hmm. Now, I, a little bit. And I understand yeah. all those things you're saying, that he talked to her once he was there. But I mean, I do you understand why that was important? Yeah. Yeah, I think sure. he just, he's just Absolutely. asking this sort of way. I'm, I'm just saying, why did he choose her right. to deliver his message? I mean, if you think about it, 
she, we talked about this last week, I mean, she ends up sort of fitting all the social outcast yes. check marks, okay? She the most is, disrespected woman, and if he can right. show love to her, then he can show love the ideal it, messenger. Right, that's the thing exactly. we talked about a while ago. Love yeah. your enemies, or love your people that you don't respect. So that's, and, what, right. that's kind of why he chose her, I think. Uh-huh. I like Ken you make that point. Right. And what's right. interesting is, notice how he chooses her, goes back a little bit of what Thomas yeah. talked about, but he doesn't, he chooses her and reveals himself to her, and what is her response? She believes him. She, she gets gleeful. She runs down and she right. tells everybody. She tells everybody. Can you and imagine, I was thinking about that, what, what that must have looked like. Right. She runs down and she says, <laughs> it's like the, it's like the prodigal son, you know, the yeah. father coming out. But think of, think about, also, he, she, she being this person who's a complete outcast and, from a religious, moral, sex woman, uh, where she lives, ethnic, I mean, every category she pretty much fits. So she then encounters Jesus, and now she, the town who has rejected her, <laughs> she goes and tells this whole town who Jesus is. And now all of a sudden the whole town, as a result of this, believes. It's just fascinating when you think about the power of... Yeah. The following question is, uh, uh, he spent two days there... What was the subsequent effect on the Samaritans in that city? Did his word spread among all of them? Is there any documentation about that? Because I know I he didn't think, do it all. I mean, he met with a select few. I don't know specifically, but I think in here we're getting an example of that in Samaria, about what happens within a specific town. I don't think we have, like, where does it go after that? I, I it had to be his intent. Um, you know, place the thought here and let it spread. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, you're right. Yeah, I wanted to another observation. Real quick, I want yeah. to say goodbye. I've got an injury, oh. an injury, and I run low on injury. Okay. I run low on energy. So thank you. I wanted to thank you for inviting thank me. Thank you for being here. Come anytime. Come anytime. Yeah, we'll come anytime. And we'll remember your name. You can't forget it. It's my brother there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, brother. I don't know many, many parents who've named both of the twins the same name. So I was, Anyways, I was wondering, you know, just fresh observation, but it kind of ties in like, to what Jason was saying, going to what Jesus' sermon is here, if we look at this chapter mm-hmm. as a sermon. Mm-hmm. I got confused when he jumps without any kind of transition. In verse 34, he talks about the food. You know, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Because he's saying, I'm not hungry. And he says, the food is to do the will of sent me and accomplish his work. And then he jumps, changes the subject so radically. Do not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white unto harvest. And I'm thinking, where did that come from and how does that relate? But when Jason was talking, I think it relates back to verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. This is the biggie. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. That's an amazing statement, because God just told us what God is seeking. Yeah. And and what is He seeking? He's seeking seeking these white fields. Which is the right under harvest. These people who don't yet know him. There you go. Correct. He doesn't really want those people to do anything except to worship him. That's that's why he wants us to win souls. And And what's a harvest produce? You notice he say he sort of jumps. He's talking about food, right? 
What does the harvest produce? Wheat. Wheat. Which is food. So you, there is a connection between those two. It's like yeah, it the real food I need is the harvest of it. It's a, but yeah. a, it's a, it's a sermon with an interruption in it, a pretty big one, <laughs> uh-huh. with the story going on, the woman on and on. But Jesus' theme, I think, is that. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's the next, it's 24. 24 is the, is the real kicker in the whole deal. So it's, that's lead up, lead up, lead up, and identity. Mm-hmm. Pastor Greg, has anyone yeah. um, at this stage of any of the Gospels, um, the disciples brought anyone, uh, you know, shared the Gospel or the news before the Samaritan woman? Not that John. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Because, I mean, it's interesting if he uses a woman. Yeah. Culturally, back then. Uh-huh. And, then and the disciples are watching this, right? Can you imagine the disciples watching, watching this, this going, happen. oh my gosh. Can I pick up here? what he's what uh-huh. you're leading me into? It occurs to me that this encounter at the well is a template for the rest of his ministry and how he conducts his ministry. He has the power and authority in every circumstance that he finds himself in. And the love and that power and authority always goes out and goes to the circumstance in the specific specifics of those circumstances. Mm-hmm. There's never an occasion where he has to back off. He's, the power and authority is always going out. So here's, here's a template for what happens in all the rest of his ministries where he shows up and there's a set of circumstances, and it always seems to unfold in the same way. There's an unveiling and a power and authority, but he never gets pulled off the stage. He never gets knocked down. Mm-hmm. He never gets pushed back against. He never has to apologize. There's never any coming back because of the power and authority and the mission that he's on. Mm-hmm. So, going back to what Tom said then, well, do we see the disciples doing this? So I guess you said it's a template for Jesus' ministry. What happens if it's a template for how we're doing ministry? I, you know, I personally think <laughs> yeah. that God presents us opportunities. At the well, this was an opportunity. And we have a lot of encounters with different people. But lately I've kind of felt that there are certain things that happen during the day that this is an encounter. And you just know it. Mm-hmm. And something happens in that moment, and uh, something someone says or something you say, and how they respond, and you just know that this is one of those moments. Yeah. So it, it's not like you go out and throw your net in the world and see what happens. They present themselves to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Another thing that I I see in this is um, that you know. You, you see that people change, you know, in life. They, you know, they, they might have some bad history, and then all of a sudden they change. Could it be possible? This, like, she, she gives her testimony, and we talked about that last week. With one, of the, was it last week or the week before? Mm-hmm. Where you talked about a sealed testimony. Remember? Well, she gives her testimony, and if she was so bad. You know, why did they believe? It says it. We believed in her testimony. Uh-huh. Did you get it? You know what I'm uh-huh. with this? Keep going. So, you know, all of a sudden she has five husbands. You know, she's the lady of the night, whatever. She's got all the strikes against her. But all of a sudden, 
they believe in her testimony, not his testimony. And then they go on to say that, hey, not only do we believe her, but she also says that he knew everything about me. I mean, that's big. You know, that's like me coming in and telling you I saw the North Star. You know, like, you weren't there. I mean, but you're thinking that, yeah, maybe, you know, Ken might be telling the truth. I wonder if it would have been different if she really believed that he was just a prophet. Right. So that's where I wonder, where do you think in the story you see this change? When does she change? When she sees this, the way he must have spoken, imagine if he was in this room and he was kind of sitting and he was worried, but he turned and spoke. You know who that is. Well, it took, you see in this conversation, that's what Tom said, how rapidly it progresses. Yes, she gets it. So where is the point that she believes? Where is the point where, what did you say? When he tells her that that's the truth. Yeah, so look at the story right here. Where would you guys say is that point? Where do you think is the point that, in essence, she's changed? When he tells her that he's the Messiah. Yeah, and where is that? I will speak to you and he. Right. Wouldn't that be something? So, the ultimate celebrity, the Messiah. So you guys, if you have your regular Bibles, turn to Isaiah. Remember Isaiah? Isaiah 52. So turn to Isaiah 52. We're going back to the hardcore. You guys must have had a Bible study. I'm missing it. Okay, let me, let's go to Isaiah 52, starting in verse 3. It says, For thus says the Lord, You were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore, what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing? The rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. So God wants his name known. Okay. So, therefore, people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. In the Greek and Hebrew there, this almost matches identically to I who speak to you and he. Literally, Jesus is saying right there that I am, and I am is Yahweh. So he's saying, people say, oh, well, where does it say in the Bible that Jesus says he's God? He literally is even saying he's God more than by saying I'm God. He's saying, I am he. (laughs) He is saying to that woman at that point, he is totally revealing himself to say, I am. Is that the first time he's revealed himself? To this yeah, I think here it is. Well, it's, it's somebody outside of the side. Doesn't Jesus say the same words in the garden when he's being arrested? Yeah, I think he. Well, I think he does say it several he, places. I am He. Yeah. Uh, somebody and, and all the guards fall down under the power of His word. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it might, isn't that right? I would have to go look. So but, if that's the case, right? That that would have impacted her too. If yeah. she says, "I am He," and boom, she gets hit by this spiritual. Right. 
truth bomb. Yep. It's, it, and I don't think it's just well, a truth. It's not just a truth bomb. She. This is like Isaiah six when Isaiah encounters God, which we are going to learn in John that what Isaiah encounters is actually Jesus in that scene in Isaiah six. Here, the Samaritan woman, when you when she when Jesus says that he is, I mean that that point is like you are encountering the living God. Boom. This is who he is. And notice her response. I think it's what's interesting is it says, it goes back to what you were saying about a little interruption here. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. So he has now fully revealed himself to her. Okay. And then, just then, John says, out of nowhere, just then, by the way, the disciples come back. All right. Mm-hmm. So at this very moment when Jesus reveals himself to her, He's done with that mission with her of revealing himself. Then what happens? The disciples come back. They marvel that he's talking to a woman. That's probably an understatement. Marvel is probably like, oh, how could you be doing that? And then it says, so the woman left her water jar. So what's her response to encountering the very living God? She wants to tell Left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, what? Come. Come see. A man has told me all that I am. Can this be the Christ? I would almost say that's probably, this is my personal opinion, that can this be the Christ is really almost a rhetorical, this is Christ. Come see. Did, did Christ she, has revealed himself to me. Yeah. Did she know Yahweh? Because she knew that the Messiah was coming? Yes. Well, we talked about this last week oh. a little bit. Well, no, that's fine. We talked just very briefly is the Samaritans had a little bit of a different belief they believed they her probably they worship Yahweh as we would know, but they also um, through this um, the reason why it's Jacob's well, they sort of had a little bit different belief as to they believed most of the Samaritans who were Jewish in their belief of God and worshiping Yahweh um, believed that Moses was the last of the prophets, so they don't really look at the other prophets. Um, in the in the account I read. Um, it said they also, in besides uh, practicing their Hebrew or your, their Jewishness, they also uh, worshipped Baal. They had well, altars to Baal. There's a range. There's a range of the Samaritans who were all over the place. That's true, particularly back in before Christ in the Old Test in the um, when when the um, Israel was split into. Um, so did all the Israelites pretty much worship Baal. Um, but so we get back to what you were saying, Eric. It's like this is an encounter. This is like Jesus fully makes himself known to this woman. Did she change? Jeff, I mean, a Greg um, manner or trick play or, or whatever your manner of teaching is. Um, I'm, I'm, pret- I'm pretending I'm you now, okay? And I'm asking the, the guys. In, in verse 27, dis- the disciples want to ask him, what do you seek? So a question for you is, I'm Greg now, where else in, in this chapter have we seen the word seek? You want to share Come on, somebody. No. It's not that hard. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good question, actually. Really good question. Well, it's a really amazing question because this is in Scripture and somebody's asking Jesus what he seeks. Yeah. Can you imagine? They're coming up, hey, Jesus, uh, 
What were you seeking from that woman? Yeah, it's an interesting, weird question. It is a weird question, yeah. but it's yeah. pretty cool the because it goes sense. back to the theme that Jason and I were preaching. The true worshippers. It goes back yeah. to verse 23. Uh-huh. That's what he's seeking. Mm-hmm. So, may, may I interject something on that? He's seeking people to worship him, okay. yeah. as Jason emphasizes. In spirit and in truth. But but that's <laughs> not just... that. Those are words that I think are really critical to really... I agree. Wrestle with and understand because what what he's we fast forward through John. What is it to worship God? What is it to worship Christ? It's to love Christ. And how do we love Christ? By doing his commandments. So what he's showing us here is this is how you worship me. Right? And this is one of my true worshipers. Right? So I'm training you guys to be disciples. This is your future disciple. Right? And that's for us as well. You talk about the woman? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is the worship that he's talking about. And the idea of truth and spirit is critical for us to understand because we aren't flesh. We, we are. talked about the other week, we aren't flesh. We were talking about the idea of, of eternal life. Until you understand the difference between the idea of eternal life in the flesh and eternal life in the spirit, right? You can't really speak about the kingdom of heaven. So that's what he's he's putting the flesh on those bones right there by explaining the idea of truth and spirit and what that really is. And we really need to wrestle with that, like, big time to, to know our mentality on a daily basis, on a moment-to-moment basis. We do, because Jesus just said we must. Right. That's right. <laughs> we must. <laughs> you want to worship me? Oh, okay. You yes, must. must worship me. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, David. One additional question. Um, why did Jesus want this to be a one-on-one meeting? Because he sent the disciples away, obviously, right. for what he didn't need. Uh-huh. Did you guys go get food? And when they came back, they said, well, I don't need the food. Why did he want a one-on-one with nobody around? Because she was a woman, and he... Because she was a woman, and he didn't want them, their judgment around. But I think your question is very, very perceptive and and critical, because what you're going to see throughout John, you're going to see this over and over and over again. One-on-ones. What about... Nicodemus. Your favorite person. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, what happened yeah. with Nicodemus? Jesus meets him one-on-one. You're going to see over and over again that Jesus, the way he encounters people, so that's, that's it his, changes them. That's his modus operandi. It's a, Exactly. Yes. Which, again, I go back to what maybe Eric was and you guys, you and Tom were saying about template. I mean, I think this speaks a lot about what does that mean about how we are to bring Christ to others? How are we to worship and bring that spirit and truth to others? Um, there's a huge amount to be said about firsthand, one-on-one, because that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing a firsthand encounter between Jesus and the woman. There, just think about it. There's no way he could have created that bond, I don't think, oh, with, yeah. okay. with the woman if all the disciples were around. 
Well, well, you'd have, you'd be you're like, all of you guys in here were all like interrupting each other and stuff, which is great, okay? We'd all be like, what are you doing, Jesus? You can't do that. Stop that. I mean, you know, there'd be all this like chitter-chatter and you couldn't have this personal encounter. I think it says a lot about how important it is for us when we are looking at others and encountering others, we encounter them in a way where we can be fully present, personal with them, caring for them. I guess you can have the disciples there. The disciples will probably chime in and say, yeah, oh. and he didn't want that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, actually, Greg, the, the, it's kind of curious about what you just said, and I'm just curious if it ties into the, the latter statements of the personal encounter, because many more believe because of his word, but then they said to the woman, it's no longer because of you that we believe. Right. Yeah. Be, it's because why? And then, well, yeah, then critical. Yeah, yeah. For we have heard it for ourselves. Yeah. For, for, for ourselves, and we know yes. indeed yeah. he's the Savior of the world. Right? See, the question is, what is the power in the circumstance? The power in the circumstance is the truth. He told her the truth. She told him the truth. That's the power. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm going to yeah, take that once that Yes, but she what, believed. what is the truth? <laughs> so just want to ask, we say this word, we just say a lot. Truth. Jesus. Truth, truth, truth. Mm-hmm. What is the truth? Jesus. Right. The truth is a person. Mm-hmm. The truth is not an idea. Mm-hmm. The truth is not something I try to shove down someone's throat. I the am truth the is way, not... the truth, and the life. Right. <clears throat> the truth is the encountering personally of a personal God. We have a God who wants <clears throat> to encounter us personally. He cares for every one of us personally, which also I think it says, that's why, I mean, for me, when we've talked about this a little bit, I think in some of our discussions, when we think about how do we go and tell others about Christ, that ultimately we want to do what you just read, which is, yes, I'm telling you about Jesus, but now guess what? Here, go read, go, go encounter Jesus for yourself through the Spirit and the truth and encounter Him for yourself. Because it can't be what Ken says or what Bruce says or what Greg says. No. It has to be... Eat. And that's why I think I see... Well, commentary. I think there's a whole lot of Christians or a lot of people in church these days. What do they do? They never really encounter Christ because all they're doing is listening to what everybody else says about Christ. But they're never themselves personally encountering Him. Picking up their Bible. Praying. I think people are, I I'll speak for myself, yeah. scared of uh-huh. encountering Christ. Mm. You think they're scared? <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think a lot of people go to church just to <laughs> have a buffer. Just like, it's beautiful. Interesting. Have a, lot, a buffer for what? Beautiful. Yeah. When yeah. the Holy Spirit is truly present, there's nothing more beautiful than the world. That's right. Hands down. Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And you know right, right away. But there's you nothing know right away. Mm-hmm. Tears. <laughs> yeah. Tears. I, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I've done it in groups. I've done it with myself. I've done it with a couple of people. To encounter mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's presence, it's so moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I you know it. Like and I suspect life. probably that's how she knew. Because yeah. the Holy Spirit. I mean, we haven't mentioned the Holy Spirit, but he had to be there. Well, the Spirit. The, where is the Spirit? Okay. He had to be there? He, well, he had was, to be there? He was, he was there. there. Yeah. He was Who there. is the Spirit? Where is the Spirit at this point? Well, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And I right. think that that's I'm what, talking about the Holy Spirit. I think that that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, the the wait, wait, that's an interesting subject. Yeah. I mean, the question. Wherever Jesus... We know that the Trinity exists, right? Right. So you're saying 
wherever I, Jesus I, I, is, the Holy Spirit is. Absolutely is what I'm saying. Every time, always? Always. Okay, and if it's a trinity, that means God's there too. The three of them. Well, what, what do you Always. Mean? Always. Yeah. What do you, what, right. I, always. I, I've never been taught that. So where, and what do you see in here constantly, what Jesus is doing? He's saying, I just, I'm speaking to my Father, who's telling me what to say and what to do. When, when, and when he prays spirit, a lot. He prays a lot. Yeah. Well, and he, yeah, okay. and he says, and says not just <laughs> like praying beforehand, maybe. We think of prayer like the separate thing. I think Jesus is in this constant. Hey, I think it's swell if the Holy Spirit and God are there with him all the time. I'm just saying scripture doesn't say that. Actually, it does. Because what mm-hmm. does the Spirit do at, at the baptism? The Spirit comes it and remains on, like on Jesus. <clears throat> and it says... Throughout, it's a spirit that empowers Jesus. Wait, you just Jesus said the spirit comes down on Jesus. And remains on him. But yes. before that, it wasn't on him, was it? That came down on him. That's Okay, so they're yeah. separate then, huh? Yeah, I would say at that the point of baptism, the point of baptism, you definitely have the spirit now residing in Jesus. Jesus is, and he says this about the temple. When he says the, the temple three days is going to be destroyed, he's referring to who? Himself. What is the temple? The temple is the presence of God. Jesus is the Spirit of God. Is the presence. Okay. The Spirit of God is the presence of God. If that's true, <laughs> yeah. then why did Jesus say, I'm going to go and I'm going to send you another helper. That's I'm right. going to send you the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit wasn't there. He's going to send him after he leaves. So the Spirit was in Jesus. The Spirit was with Jesus. The presence of God. The Spirit is there. But guess what? Think about it. If we today could only encounter Jesus personally, like I'm encountering Gil, how could everybody else encounter Jesus? We couldn't. Because it's a personal encounter that I have to have, one on one. But we don't Gil. know we don't know the boundaries though there. That's well, that's no, that's I cosmic. No. And I Yeah, I agree. No, I, but I think I wait, I, I think that <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit has a special job, and he may or may not be separate, but he has a special job, and what Glenn's talking about is when you encounter the Holy Spirit, which is a very special feeling and knowing, it's not necessarily all three of them. It's not necessarily all three of them. What does Paul call the Spirit? He calls the Spirit the Spirit of Christ. So, You're not hearing what I'm saying, but that's yeah. okay. I'll let it go. <laughs> Why is that funny? You're, well, because you're differentiating. You're, and again, I think we can talk about this, and I'm not disagreeing with you. What I am saying is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are one, right? And so it goes back to you see this being fleshed out in John. You see Jesus is one with the Father. Everything he does, everything he says, he does to what the Father's telling him. So you get this constant communion. Uh, I, but, so, but but we can enter, we can intellectualize this to death. Right, I don't want to intellectualize it. And, yeah, and that's what's happening, though. We're talking about it so much that we, we're 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 limiting we're limiting the the boundaries of Christ when we analyze everything down How? to the you know. How well, does that happen? Yeah. So, Gil, where is the spirit? Let me just let's ask this. Where is the spirit right now, you guys? It's right here. Where? In all of us. You see what you just said? There you go. The spirit, and that's what happens, okay, is when we believe, Paul's very explicit about this, when we believe, 
we all now, the Spirit, the very presence of God, there was the presence of God that was the same presence of God that was in Jesus, the same presence of God that was in the temple, the same presence of God that was in the tabernacle, the same presence of God that was a cloud and the fire. That presence of God is in us. God lives in you. I get it. He lives in Chad. He lives in every one of us who believe in him. So there's no limit. The Spirit is... I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying that we we can intellectualize it down, right? And and it it kills it, right? Because it goes back to what Glenn said: it's the it's experiencing the presence of God in us. That's the spirit of God when we encounter Him. Yeah, and you're wrong, but no, I'm sorry. I'm just using you. (laughs) Well, and Jesus is going to say in here in John six sixty three. We're get to that. He's going to say. That the spirit and the word, that is me. That's one. Okay. In Ephesians, the, um, the what's it called? The, the armor of God. Uh-huh. The spirit, which is the word of God. I mean, all of this is one. It's a mystery. Are it's nothing right? I can intellectualize or try to correct. Well, I can, I, I, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Is that I some some of these things that we try to analyze down, we we don't. I don't think we want to. I think Jesus gets going back to Samaritan. No, that's what Jesus is doing here. I think one of the guilties is, is the fact that the presence of God is not a constant, it ebbs and flows. The experience of that. Yeah. Right. When I went in combat, I got really close to Jesus. <laughs> I really needed him. Uh, for. Uh, I mean, that was just the way it was. And uh, then when I came back, then I didn't need him so much. So it does ebb and flow. Yeah, right. That's, a, that's a great point. Just like we're all like that. Times of need, and, we really go to. And yeah. I would just say, be careful. We don't want different. I'm just saying, don't differentiate between whether you feel the spirit, whether it's there or not. The spirit lives in you. Yeah. It is always present. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I don't really feel the spirit. Oh, well, I'm sin right now. I mean, whatever. I'll just do my own thing. That doesn't change the fact that the very presence of God lives in you. Which, yeah, so. I uh, want to know your answer. Does the Spirit and the Word work together? They are, the, yes. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, so I would answer yes. <laughs> Scripture actually says they are Spirit and Word. That's the presence of Christ. <laughs> all this, all this is ultimately not, I'll go back to you, I do. I don't want to intellectualize. All this is about a personal encounter with Christ. That's what the Spirit enables us to do. It's not just this like power. This it is we are encountering the personal Christ through the Spirit. We encounter Jesus today because He actually lives in us. At the same time, He sits at the right hand of God. Christ in you, the whole That's glory. Right. Exactly. It's literally Christ in us. This is not about a power. This It is a power, part of it. But it's a person. It's a person of Christ. He loves that Samaritan woman. He loves you. He's, he's in us. I've yeah. often wondered what it meant when he says, I'm closer to you than your very breath. I mean, how... Mm. Yeah. He lives in you. He lives again, Yahweh. Right? First thing you do when you come out of the womb, right? <laughs> when you come out of the what? The womb. Oh. 
take an in breath, and prior to that, you're breathing water, fluid. So, can any of you think of just as we sort of a good discussion, lively as usual? Um, do um, can you think for yourselves who when you say it if you, if you what are the people today for you that bother you so much you don't want to encounter them that you stay away from them that you that you go they're they're the ones that I don't even recognize but they're the ones who I somehow do not want to encounter do you know who that is yeah there are some people that just take and drain you and there are other people that fill you up and the takers are real obvious and the, the ones that fill you up are hard to find so do you have avoid, avoiding the ones that <clears throat> there's one in particular that's another Christian from another church and it seemed that every time the phone rang yeah. the stand, <laughs> try, I, was, I'll try harder <laughs> it was drama always drama associated with what he was involved in. <clears throat> and it was always always asking for something and a need. Yeah. Form of manipulation. What about others? Manipulation. Who, 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 bought, who, do you, who bugged you? Who, the who lady you? going 55 miles an hour in the fast lane this morning and mm-hmm. driving up to <laughs> you know, and I'm looking, who the heck, you know? How about the one that cuts you off? Well, then, because you're very sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting that my wife plays pickleball, and uh, she was telling me at dinner tonight that she went up to play pickleball this morning, and there were two women talking, and she showed up, and they just shut up. And she says, you know, what's going on? And so one of them confessed, you know what? My neighbor just put up a a board sign about Q in their yard, and I disagree with that, and it's really pissed me off. And and she just went off. And so the other one who was standing there listening and said, you know what? I don't think we need to put up board signs because I don't think it convinces anybody. (laughs) But what board signs really do is maybe um, alienate one another because of our opinions on different things. That's what we are. If we don't put up the board signs, you know, that's, I mean, so her whole attitude toward her neighbor was based on one opinion. Yeah. Yeah. She's not unique. Yeah. No, no, so that's why I bring you it up. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about QAnon. You were talking about the proposition. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought you were talking about QAnon, too. Here we go well, ahead. You name it. Uh, you know, yeah. name it. Yeah, you know where I'm going with that. I know you're asking the question. It's a pretty obvious question. Because I'm actually that person. And so, you know, um, you know, the approach of what's happened to me in these last few years is things used to light me up all the time and, I don't know if I just I just didn't understand it or not, but when I go through those situations with somebody on the phone or whatever, I just I change everything. I kind of I know this sounds really cliche, but I really kind of do what Jesus does, and I try to love people and I try to understand. I'm the person who's mad at me on the road, or you know, sometimes I'll just out like in a parking lot, I'll just pull over and say, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean I could have hurt you or something. You know, I just change and i'll find out sometimes that these people will be like now we'll be talking 
<laughs> it changes things yeah. for me. And it's a personal encounter. Yeah, it's exactly. a personal encounter. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I feel, I mean, I feel like that's my testimony. The, the, the kid that saw me fishing that was on the deck just, you know, came up, came wanted to know what happy pill I took. And um, it's just really done some great stuff in my life. And um, I, I feel like I owe you guys a lot of that because... You know, my wife and me are like, oh, we don't know nothing about the Bible. We've been Catholics our whole life, this and that. And my wife's scared of the Bible. And you know, she's like, I don't want to listen to that. I was like, there's fire on this stuff, you know. And it's just, I think that it's really, when we were talking about the Samaritan woman and we talked about what Bruce told me about love, it's just like, a lot of it really is about Jesus' love. And it, it blows my mind that you can use that. It's powerful. Very it's powerful. a true. It's a true. <laughs> it's the most powerful. Yeah. 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 yeah, go ahead. The, the other example that he showed with the Samaritan woman is he didn't judge her. Right. There was no judgment whatsoever. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's it's, another yeah. example yeah. of what we need to do also every single day. Is we we can't be judged. We can't no. judge other people. We just that's right. we need to. It's learn. not our job. It's not our job to judge. I have to remind myself of that. Every day, you know that I, I'm, I'm not supposed to judge. So we're not to judge. What are we to do? Love. Sorry. Just yeah. love. Love. How are we to love? We just heard that tonight. How do we love? Jesus is showing us from the Samaritan woman. How do we love? Yeah. What do, do we have to do? Connect. That's do, right. Yeah. We have to encounter that person. Yeah. And what's the best way to, to do that? Let's meet with one on one. Meet. One yeah. I think with yeah. the, there's a word that. It occurs to me that it applies, and um, when Ken was talking, uh, he's, you know, you're such a good example of witnessing to people and, and stepping out, and you do it with sensitivity with so nicely, the stories you tell us, and the word that uh, just occurred to me is transcend. So it, good word. If we could, when we approach someone we don't like, someone that bothers us, that the Lord put in our path, we don't do, deal with them in our own flesh. We let the Lord transcend the situation. Lord, I don't know how you're going to work this, but put the words in my mouth or put the words in his mouth or mouth and let, kind of like this woman at the well thing, let it happen in a, the Holy Spirit's going to work it out. If, if somebody has a phone, I think it'd be interesting to look at the word transcend. Can someone look up the word transcend? Get a definition or synonyms? Yeah, you have to live by rule. You have to respect the individual, and it starts with that. You know, you have to respect them no matter what their views are. That's not happening today no, at all. Put up a sign next door. I don't yeah. agree with that. I don't respect them anymore. You got to, and once you can develop that thought in your mind that you're going to respect everybody, then you can maybe start loving them. Right. Well, to and me, well, then Jesus says, in essence, that person who has that sign. That we don't want to go, we disagree with them, so now we're not going to talk to them. Jesus says, that's your Samaritan woman. Go, go, go knock right. on the door. I, I've yeah. heard a lot of Samaritan women yeah. make it up to me. So many things that I, yes. I react to. Yeah. Transcend. Um, to rise above, go beyond the limits, triumph over the negative or restrictive aspects. Um, you have to transcend yourself. Yeah, or surpass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> transcend yourself. Yeah, your evil ways. You know, the, yeah. the overlying principle is why did God send his only son? 
to make connection, to reconnect and to reestablish the relationship. So what's our job? When we have one-on-one, we're transcending opinions and everything else, and we're connecting with another human being. And it's that connection and his example that it's very simple, but that's the overriding principle is one-on-one and making that connection. And without the connection, none of this can happen. Right. And think about, guess who we are, by Matthew Gill's discussion about the Holy Spirit, guess who we are. We have a living Christ, the Spirit of God in us. When we go speak the words of God to another, who are we? We're Christ. We are Christ. Literally, I would say, we are Christ. When we speak the very words of Christ with the Spirit in us, we are the presence of the living Christ to another. Which is why that's how people come to Christ, right? How we bring people to Christ is that personal encounter, just like Jesus did with the Samaritan. We get to be that Christ today, is to do that. You know, yeah. It's just like, wow. What a I want to share song. a principle that I learned in my anger management class at the VA. See you, Gil. Bye-bye. <coughs> may, the, may the Spirit See follow you home and back tomorrow. He lives in you. <laughs> so if he lives in you, he doesn't have to follow you. <laughs> I had to go through anger management three times because I failed it the first two times. Yeah. The one thing that I took out of it is, is that when someone says something to you that pisses you off and pushes your button, a funny thing happens. At that moment, they own you because of what they said. And the whole lesson of anger management is when that happens, rather than re-attacking or responding right at the time, if, if they knock you down, if you come back, then you start this. But if they knock you down and you never come back up, they got no more power. The power goes away. We have a lot of people yeah. knocked down. Who are yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. And so the whole key is <laughs> don't respond and give away your power and yeah. center yourself on your belief and what's happening. And it's the lack of response that continues the connection. Yeah. What were you, you going to say something else, David? He was talking about knocking down. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. The situation this country is in right now, there's a lot of people knocked down. I mean, we, we knock down every day. We get up, we get knocked down every day. I just think we have a phenomenal opportunity right now. Yeah. Things are for us to be, yeah. just go up to someone and just say, I care for you. Yeah. And it's just like, it makes all the difference. Well, I don't, I don't even think you have to say, I care for you. Well, all you have to do is yeah. say, hey, I respect your opinion, you respect mine. You know, I understand where you're coming from. But, but don't browbeat me and try and convince me that I'm stupid. You know what works most for me? If I would agree with you now, we'd both be wrong. What question? It may not have any relation to it at all, but the story about the Good Samaritan, did that come after this meeting? <clears throat> well, we first, so we don't know. So the Good Samaritan parable, um, in this order, probably a different timing. Because in John... We're still early in Jesus' ministry. Yeah. If we go by the time, just by the progression here, if we assume that progression is one relatively of time of Jesus' ministry, then what we have here is somewhat early in Jesus' ministry. He's going through Samaria. In fact, it was probably Jesus and his disciples would go back and forth between Galilee and Jerusalem all the time. 
and they'd be going through Samaria a lot of the times. So there's many opportunities they went through Samaria. In Luke, when the Good Samaritan parable takes place, it is Jesus' last trip going from Galilee down to Jerusalem, which is going to be his last week before okay, he goes so to the cross. It is then that the Good Samaritan parable is told in Samaria. So, so he's passing through Samaria. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So there it happened during last week. It's probably a very different time than this. So, um, all right. So what I like to do is close with we talk about presence and being being there for others. And you know we've heard Ken being there for how he was there for Roy and just has been there for his family and stuff. And uh, I want to end with letting Ken share a song. If I do, I have this right. You yeah. wrote for uh, Roy. Actually, I feel like you guys wrote the song. I mean, I, I, I was, as you all knew, last. Is it right to take it out? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. When you do, um, yeah. Last um, week, when I was struggling about my last time with him, and I was rushing to get the right words from Greg, and rushing to the hospital. Thank you. I'm going to steal the furniture. I'm going to rearrange all the Yeah, furniture. go ahead. You just go for it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fresh song, so I don't, I don't have everything. James, you're about ready to fall off. Oh, I love you guys. I got it. All right. CSA, I'll listen to the audio. Thank you, Ken. Um, so I struggled with that because I didn't feel like I was there in time. And, um, and I feel like you guys really helped me with that. And so, when I wrote this song, I wrote it with our discussion. And the name of the song is called Just Passing Through. And it's kind of a hiker's term. And it's only four minutes long. So it won't take long. Thank you for uh, letting me share this with you. Love so peacefully. 
held your hand that day I prayed that you would stay Sorry wasn't my choice A new journey had already rejoiced I prayed you would see him And we would see each other again Yes, you're the shining north star at the Kern River. You held my hand that day. I heard the words you'd say. It was just in a flash. It gave me strength to pass. But it wasn't you. Holding my hand anymore, and it wasn't you praying behind the door. There were two hands holding me, a new voice I could hear and see. He said, we are just passing through, you're now with me, child. My soul lifted to the light, you prayed to me by my side. Thank you. 